What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where we post all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content, and we'll continue to be doing that throughout the offseason. This podcast will go every day throughout the offseason. It may be hard. Some days we're going to have to maybe veer off of the fantasy vein and go into some more baseball stuff, some betting stuff. We'll always be talking baseball here. It just may not always be fantasy, but that's something I do want to remind you guys of. We will be going throughout the entire offseason. A lot of podcasts kind of simmer down during the offseason. They do a show here and there maybe. Some of them take the whole offseason off, which is totally cool. Everybody's got their, their different styles. We will be going throughout the entire offseason, so really important that you guys are subscribing, downloading, doing all that stuff so that you continue to get those shows even when you might not think to look for them because a lot of people don't during the offseason. They're not really thinking about baseball most of the time. They're more into football or basketball or hockey or those fall sports, which is totally understandable. They're work, school. But if you're ever feeling a craving for baseball one day, there will be pods every single weekday. There will continue to be articles throughout the offseason. And we are bringing on more people here at Sports Ethos. Before I really get started today, I'll rhyme that one off one more time. If you're looking to get into the fantasy industry, into the sports industry in general, start writing, podcasting, doing something in the sports realm, uh, send me a DM at JoeOrico99 or at Dan Bespris. Those are the two accounts where you guys should be reaching out to if you're interested in maybe covering a team, writing some fantasy articles. Maybe you're just interested in writing about the sport in general and you know staying away from fantasy. Maybe you just want to write a weekly piece on whatever, you know, uh, reach out to me. We have a lot of openings. We're still kind of forming our baseball division. If there's something that you guys are interested in doing, there's a decent chance that if you're committed enough, we will uh, we'll have a position here for you. So just something to keep in mind here as we enter into the off season, into the down season for baseball. But we are going to talk about some actual, some actual stuff today. But I think it is important to say that a lot of seasons ended yesterday. Now, my home league championship was yesterday. I won my home league for the first time. It came down to the last literally the last game of the night I had Nestor Cortez and Brian Bayo both starting yesterday and I was able to win my I was able to win my home league very happy about that it's not like it's a massive grand prize or whatever it's a couple hundred bucks but it's just that you get to have those bragging rights over your friends the entire offseason those guys are not going to hear they're not going to hear the end of it for me for sure especially the way it ended I ended up taking it 6-3 but I won ERA by 0.14 I won strikeouts by literally one strikeout Uh, I won batting average by one point, 246 to 245. This was a very close race. I hope you guys had similar kind of close races because whenever there's eight, two, nine, one, ten, nothing kind of weeks, you kind of see them coming down the line. It makes the whole thing not as enjoyable. And if your season ends on that kind of note, you might just take the year off from fantasy next year, understandably so. But we are going to be talking about some of the things that led to championships last week. I'm going to be going through a little bit different today. We're not going to be going through yesterday's top players. I'm going to look at the top players over the past week and see who was contributing to your championships. Are these guys, you know, just on hot streaks? Are these legitimate good players? There's a, there's a bit of a mixed bag here. Some of them might surprise you who are in the top 10. A couple of names that are going to be fairly obvious there. But we're going to just talk about are these guys, uh, can you expect this kind of production going forward essentially is where I'm going to be trying to lean with this. Also just, you know, praising these guys for winning those championships. But we are going to talk about um, their viability going forward as well. So, the first player, the number one player over this last week, who was a mainstay on a couple of my teams the whole season, mostly points leagues, but I kept him in a couple of category leagues. 
Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan was the number one ranked player, according to Yahoo's ranking system. And when you look at his numbers, it's hard to argue with it. He was the number one ranked player last week in category leagues. Nine runs scored, two home runs, 10 RBIs, four stolen bases, and a 438 batting average for the week. He was 14 for 32. If you just look at yesterday, Championship Sunday, the Super Bowl Sunday of fantasy baseball, he was three for five, two runs, a grand slam, and he also drove in a fifth run in there, and he stole two bases for you. Unreal production from Stephen Kwan. Really the whole season, we have to kind of just pat him on the back. A lot of people, myself included, didn't really think he'd be able to hold fantasy value for most of the season, but, I mean, don't look now. He finished with a higher ranking than Luis Arise, and I know Paul Spore will be very happy about that because those are two guys that he were, I mean, when he was on the show before here, I guess it would have been July, we're talking about how those guys are pretty similar and Arias just had maybe, you know, uh, 85th, 90th percentile season where Stephen Kwan is, was probably at that point, like, you know, 50th, 60th, 70th percentile. It was going well. He didn't really have many supporting stats to back up that high batting average. But what he's done over the course of the whole season, very serviceable, 78th ranked fantasy player, 84 runs, six homers, 49 RBIs, 19 steals, and a 298 batting average. And between you and me, I'm hoping that he gets it up to 300. I think that would be really nice for him. 20 steals would also be really nice. But this was, this was just fantastic from Stephen Kwan. For somebody who was, I mean, likely picked up and dropped a little bit in your league. If it's a deeper league, draft and hold, obviously a little bit different. If you got him late in a draft and hold, you're probably very happy. But even if you just picked him up off the waiver wire, this kind of production for most of the season, really, up and down a little bit, but pretty pretty solid baseline of batting average with steals really turning it on in the second half too which is great for especially for head-to-head you'd love to see that kind of thing I talked about this a little bit last week with Stephen Kwan about where are we going to be drafting him and in my eyes I mean when I was saying this it was before he had really gone crazy this last week with home runs and steals thinking that Luis Arise is probably going to be drafted a little bit higher and maybe rightfully so because of the position eligibility but Stephen Kwan does very similar stuff to what Luis, Luis Arise does. If you're just going to compare what both of them did this season, I mean, I know there's still a, a few games left here, but in terms of the fantasy season, looking at a very, very similar stat line, and you, it's hard to really say. I mean, it, team dependent, you might pick one, you might pick the other, but I think Stephen Kwan probably had the better season. 84 runs for Kwan, one more than Arise had at 83. Kwan has six homers, Arise has eight. 49 RBIs for Quan and 48 for Arise. Same thing. Those stats are all pretty much the same thing. Batting average. We'll skip over steals for now. Batting average, 298 for Quan, 313 for Arise. That's not that big of a difference. 15 points in batting average. It's really not that big of a deal. The big discrepancy between the two of them here is the 19 steals for Quan and only the four for Arise. So I think Luis Arise will probably be drafted a little bit higher next season. I don't think it'll be crazy high, but I think based on the eligibility... And, you know, the high batting average all season, people, even in their heads, if you just asked, you know, if you took a random sampling of 100 fantasy players and you said, who was a better fantasy player this season? Was it Quan or was it Luis Arise? Most of them are going to say it was Luis Arise. Just because most of the season, he was a little bit more flashy. He was the batting average leader for a while. But Stephen Quan actually had at least as good, probably a bit of a better season, especially with those steals. So if you are looking to draft Arise next season, and I, I would be looking to draft him at the right price. I don't think there's any reason to not go for that kind of production. Good batting average, spattering of little stats here and there. He, he's a very serviceable fantasy player. If you miss out on him, then Stephen Kwan is a really decent guy to look at probably a couple rounds later. The downside with Stephen Kwan compared to Arise is that he doesn't have the eligibility throughout the infield. Arise, first, second, and third to go along with outfield. That's 
fantastic. Like in, in terms of eligibility, that's really about as good as you're going to get. That's something that Quan cannot do for you only in the outfield. But in terms of the actual stats he's giving you, pretty damn similar production. So keep that in mind next season if Arise is coming up and you get sniped. Quan is very similar production, probably even a little bit better and probably will be even a little bit cheaper. But I do want to move on here and talk about Pete Alonso because Pete Alonso had himself a hell of a week as well. Nine runs scored, four homers, 13 RBIs, one steal and a 333 batting average. Now the steals... That didn't come that often this season. He only had five of them. Not that you were really expecting it. But to get one during championship week, and over the last two weeks, there's been two of them. I mean, if you go back over two weeks, he is the number one ranked player. But over this last week, he was just behind Quan For the season, Stephen, or excuse me, Pete Alonso, 39 home runs, 128 RBIs, which if I believe I heard that correctly yesterday, that that is a Mets franchise record for RBIs, 128. And don't look now, but Stephen, or geez, I keep mixing up with Stephen Kwan. We're on to Pete Alonso. I need to switch my brain now. The sixth-ranked player for the entire season. That is ridiculous. Uh, that, that's really, like, I, I knew he was having a good season, Pete Alonso. I don't have any shares of Pete Alonso, so he's not somebody that I was following as, in, as closely as I would have been a couple of other players that I had a lot of shares of. Even his teammate, Lin, Francisco Lindor, who I was following very closely. I knew Alonso was doing well, but to be the sixth-ranked fantasy player with five stolen bases is is incredibly, incredibly impressive. You're looking at the guys who are around him. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's Judge, Goldschmidt, Freeman, Verlander, and Trey Turner. Those are the guys ahead of him. And then right behind him, Machado, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor, Jordan Alvarez. Like, this was an elite, elite season from Pete Alonso, and I don't think it's fallen under the radar, but I don't think that we really are viewing him as a guy who puts up these kind of numbers. I think we're still seeing him as more of a power-only guy and somebody who is maybe, you know, a 30-40 ranked player, when in reality, he was truly one of the best players all season. And I know RBIs can fluctuate. You can't really, you know... I forget the word now. They're not, they're not, I forget the word that people use anyway, but they don't, they're not really consistent year to year. You can, like last year, he drove in 94 runs. This year it was 128. This year, Judge has driven in whatever it is, 150 runs. It's not 150, but it's pretty damn close. Next year, it probably won't be anywhere near that number. It's very hard to predict those on a year to year basis. So, I, 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 all to say that I'm kind of surprised, really, that he was able to sneak up this high. I mean, the number one ranked player for two weeks, you're going to move up, but to six, like that's. That's, I don't think he's going to be drafted this high, and I don't think he should be drafted this high, but he showed us like he is capable of performing at this level. So if you get into round three or four of your draft, maybe, and he's still there, I don't think he'll probably get that far, but maybe in a 12-teamer, you see him go into the third, into the mid-30s. I think that that's going to be like a serious, serious value for Pete Alonso. His ADP last season in the NFBC main events was 56.5. That's where he was going on average. He was the fourth first baseman off the board. You got to think next season he'll probably be around the fourth third base or first baseman off the board again because Matt Olson was ahead of him as the third first baseman. He was going about 13 picks higher. But then you got Paul Goldschmidt, who is about 10 picks lower than Alonzo. So the way I see this going most likely is that Goldschmidt and Olson will essentially flip and it'll be Guerrero and Freeman probably still one and two. Maybe you see Alonzo sneak in above them in a couple of drafts. I doubt it. I think it'll probably still be Vlad and Freeman. And then probably Goldschmidt, Alonzo in that range there, pretty close by. And then probably Matt Olson right after. But I think we'll see a flip-flop there. But in terms of the way that these guys rank, there'll be a flip-flop. But in terms of ADP, these are going to jump all over the place. Vlad's ADP was six. There's no way he's going at six in most drafts. Freddie Freeman, 21. I think he'll go a lot higher than that. Olsen, 43. He should fall down a bit. 
But Pete Alonso at 56, I think there's a decent chance we see Pete Alonso slide into that probably even higher than where Matt Olson is in the like probably in the 30s somewhere because I don't think people are going to be necessarily expecting a repeat of this. Like I said, the RBIs can really fluctuate. He doesn't steal that many bags. I mean, he's stolen two here in these last two weeks, which has been great for you head-to-head guys, anybody really. But I don't know that we can expect this kind of level necessarily from Pete Alonso. So I, I do like it. I know I'm kind of I'm kind of going through this with you guys. I haven't so much done my next season projections. I'm kind of just figuring it out as we go along here. And I think with Pete Alonso... He's probably going to be drafted a little bit too high. I think he should be drafted higher than 56. But if he's going in that third round range, I think that that's going to be pretty sweet. If it's like late 30s kind of draft pick, maybe early 40s if we're lucky, that's where I'd be looking to grab Pete Alonso. Earlier than that, I think we might be getting ourselves in a little bit of trouble. The power's there. The runs and the RBI should be there. But you, you can't predict them year to year. The average is good. The average for a, for a power hitter is very good, like 260, 270 range. But that's also another thing that can fluctuate, really. And like I said, the steals, we don't really know if they're going to be there. They're not going to be there in any big bunches. You might get five, six, or whatever. But uh, Pete Alonso, I feel pretty comfortable in round three, essentially. But what he did this year was he won you championships. He won you a lot of championships. I wonder how many people had Pete Alonso and Stephen Kwan both on their teams. I don't think it would probably be that many people, but who knows? Who knows? I'm under. If you guys did have that situation, do reach out because I think that that would be pretty cool. But don't think it'll be too many guys. I do want to move on here now to another member of the New York Mets, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer was brilliant this week. Two six-inning starts. No runs allowed against Milwaukee in the first one. Nine strikeouts in the victory. The second one, it was six innings, one run ball against Oakland. Seven strikeouts. Also got a victory there. For the season, in 139 innings, he is the 19th ranked player. Brilliant stuff from, from Max Scherzer again. And I, I got to eat my words because I didn't think that he would do it another season. And I'm kind of at the point over this season seeing what Verlander and Scherzer and Kershaw has done. And, you know, even DeGrom's not that young. When these studs go out there in, that, in this particular group era of studs, you just kind of have to trust them. Uh, when they say that they're good to go, I, I think we have to take them at their word. If Scherzer comes out next season and says, yep, I'm good to go. Another season, we're, we're going strong here. Then... You have to you have to take a chance on him. Like he is still going to be that kind of elite pitcher. Where will he be drafted necessarily? It's, it's a tricky one. If I'm going to take a look at last season at uh, ADPs, he was going 15th overall in main events. So he returned that value. I mean, 19th overall player here. I know it's Yahoo versus NFBC. It's a little bit different, but I mean, at the end of the day, we're still talking about standard categories, mostly roto versus head to head is the only real difference there. But 15 versus 19 versus 13 versus 12. If you're going to return within the same round of value, you're going to be pretty happy with that pick. But Max Scherzer at 15, I think that's a little high. I think for me that that would be probably a little high. Even though I think he'll still do it, there is a part of me that's like, well, Max Scherzer is, and I'm, I'm, I think he's 38, 39. I, I can't remember exactly now. 38 years old. He's 38 years old. I don't know how much longer we're going to see this necessarily. So I'll trust him if he goes out there. At least, you know, the start of the season, it's, if he's healthy, he's going to be producing. That That's not really in question for me. It's a matter of how long can the body really hold up. We saw a couple of injury problems this season. He's only thrown 139 innings, which for him is pretty low. I, I don't think I'd take him and pick, I'd pick 15. If you're in a 15-team league and he's your first-round pick, next year that would, be, that would be troubling for me. I wouldn't want, want to have that. I think in the second round, even the second round is a little bit worrisome, but I think the second, third kind of turn area, 
maybe late 20s, early 30s is probably where I'm going to be slotting in Max Scherzer next season. I think it's a, I'd be a little bit worried about going at 15, man. Like maybe if you're in, if you're in a 12 teamer, I wouldn't feel as bad about it. But you know, you get uh, a star bat at the end of the first round, and then you pick Scherzer as your as your ace in the second. I think that's okay. I would try and have a buffer of one pitcher ahead of Scherzer, whether it be whoever you want to say, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, or whoever, and then maybe you get a, you get lucky and you get Scherzer fall back to you in the third round or something like that. But I don't know if I'd want him to be my ace necessarily heading into next season just because a little bit more wear and tear every year, and eventually there's going to be an injury that he just doesn't come back from, I think. So I hate to even forecast that kind of thing, but he's not young. He's been pitching a long time, and I trust him if he's healthy at the beginning of the season, but I just don't know how long we can necessarily expect that. So in the third round, I feel a lot better than I would in the first or second. But let's keep going here. Let's talk about Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds, from a lot of the season, very disappointing for a lot of fantasy managers, drafted pretty high up. But he really turned it around. Like, good for good for Brian Reynolds. Specifically, this last month, he's batting over 300, but in the last two weeks, he's batting 370. What he did for you in championship week was go 11 for 22, seven runs, three homers, six RBIs, and a stolen base. And for the course of the season, he was just as good as he was last year, pretty much like without, like just on the surface, the surface fantasy relevant stats here. We're not talking about advanced numbers, just what he did from a fantasy point of view. His personal production was about as good as, as it was last season. The average was down. The average was the only thing where really you could point at and say, this was a bit disappointing. He batted 266, last year was 302, but... Him having 30 less RBIs and 23 less runs is very much indicative of the fact that the Pirates have a, a skeleton crew. They're a shit, shitful offense. Like, there's nothing going on there. You cannot blame Reynolds for not driving in runners who aren't on base. You can't blame him for not scoring runs because there's no one to drive him in. He had more home runs than last season, more stolen bases than last season, and the average is lower. So, I, for me, that's, like a, that's a pretty even trade-off. A couple more homers, a couple more steals. The average might outweigh that because it's like 35 points lower. So maybe it's a slight disappointment for Brian Reynolds. But we've classified it the whole year as a dud season. He wasn't having fantasy value. Earlier in the year, we saw some teams drop him. I mean, very, very early on. At this point, it wouldn't have been the case where he's on any waiver wires. But he was somebody who was kind of, you know, thrown away earlier in the season, discarded as being a bust when he really wasn't. So Brian Reynolds is someone I'd still be interested in for next season. Not too interested in because you're going to see this kind of shit with counting stats continue, I think, as long as he's in Pittsburgh. Assuming he's still in Pittsburgh, I think he will be. Then it might be a little tricky to to reach so high up for him. But I think if you're talking around pick 100, I think that would be probably where I'd be interested in taking him. He can still give you some home runs, some decent home runs. I mean, 24 last season, 26 this year. You'll take it. The steals, you'd like to be a little bit more for an outfielder. Only five last season. Seven this year, which is a little bit better. Hopefully 10 next season and a 270, 280 average. I think probably around pick 100 is where I'm going to be roughly jotting in Brian Reynolds next season. Maybe a, probably a little bit higher. Probably a little bit higher. But I wouldn't expect him to go like well beyond that. I'm kind of curious actually where he was going this season. While well, I got the NFBC page open, I might as well check it out. This year in main events... He was 96. His ADP was 96. I'm surprised it wasn't a little bit higher, actually, based off of last season. I think it'll probably be about the same, though, about 96. I think that's that totally makes sense. But let's move on here, talk about our next guy from last week who won you your league, and that was Glaber Torres. Three home runs, eight RBIs, six runs scored, one stolen base, and a 400 batting average. Now, I dropped Glaber in a couple of leagues. I don't know when it would have been a month ago or so. He was on a lull, and I thought, 
the Yankees are really struggling. I don't want to deal with any Yankee hitters right now other than Aaron Judge. It turns out Glaber Torres, right when I dropped him, uh, you guys are welcome because he was just fantastic. Over the last month, six homers, four steals, 20 RBIs, and 15 runs. He's been a top 40 player over the last month. 275 batting average in that time, too. And I think it's really important to look at last season with Glaber. Last season was awful. I mean, I went to some Blue Jays-Yankees games last year when Glaber would come up to the plate. You know, that'd be the time when you go to the bathroom. That'd be the time when, if you really need to, you go grab a beer or you check your phone. Because it was Glaber last season was was brutal. Nine home runs. He batted 259, which is higher than this season, but he only scored 50 of them. It was, it was a pretty full year, 459 at-bats. He just didn't produce. He was just not good. This year, he upped his runs by more than 20. He hit 15 more home runs than last season and stole, or excuse me, and drove in almost 20 more runs. And he stole four less bases. Last year was 14 steals. This year was 10. That kind of thing, in this case, does not really matter because of the massive boosts everywhere else. Eight points lower in batting average is not really that big of a deal. I'm I'm not really going to care about it so much. Gleyber Torres, for this season, for a good, good chunk of it, was a great fantasy asset. He was drafted around pick 151 last season. Feels about right, I guess, for Glaber. We don't really know year to year what we're going to see from him. There was a couple of years ago where I think it was like, what was it, 30 home runs that he hit? He had like a really big season, and then there was a couple where it was, I don't know, you couldn't really rely on the guy for a couple of years there. It was the 38 home run season, and then the shortened year, which was 42 games, he had three home runs. Not great. And then last year, 127 games, nine home runs. So is there some up and down in there for sure? Um, but in the past, you know, he's shown us, 270 plus batting average he's not going to steal you that many bases but this is it's not a bad number you know in that 10 to 15 range it's pretty good I mean I shouldn't even say it's not that many in this day and age it is it's a lot still so I pick 150 I think he's probably not going to be there I think he'll probably go a little bit higher we'll say 120 130 roughly I'd be pretty okay with Glaber there considering middle infield and everything else I think that that'll be pretty solid is the lowest pick or the highest pick I guess this season for him 114 the lowest 204 I think that that even 114 you know in that one well let's call it between 110 and 130 range where I would I would think labor is probably going to be drafted next season let's talk about the next guy though Joey Manessis this guy absolute beauty like he was everything you could have hoped for he was a league winner he was the definition of a league winner I mean all these guys we're talking about today is essentially like a league winner addition talking about these guys who really performed well last week but most of these guys are already on rosters most of these guys have been players who have been rostered for a good portion of the season anyway 80s 90s percent rostered then Joey Manessis comes along and over the last well I mean okay let's just go over the whole season first 187 at-bats for him this season, 61 hits, which is a 326 batting average. 12 home runs, 29 RBIs, 29 runs scored, and he even stole a base, which he just happened to do during championship week. Joey Manessis is a great story. Like, Joey Manessis, as I believe he's 30 years old. Uh, let, let, me, let me take a look here because I don't want to be saying it without uh, having – I think, yeah, he was born in 1992. The guy is 30 years old. Came up this season for the first time and he produces like this. It was a fantastic story. We'll remember it, especially if he won you leagues. You're going to be remembering this for, for quite a while, I would say. Uh, Joey Manessis winning you, winning you that championship. Now, the thing about him is that, like I said, the good story kind of works against him in a way. This is kind of a miracle season that you can't forecast uh, going into next season again. Will he be on the team next year? It would be nice if he was, but 
I don't think they're going to guarantee a 30-year-old roster spot on a on a rebuilding team. I think that's a chance that he has a spot even just as, you know, someone who's got a bit of a presence. He's been around the game a while longer than some of these younger dudes are going to have. Maybe he sticks around. I would think he gets a chance, but I don't think he's going to produce like this. I mean, 326 batting average. No one in baseball hits for that rate, really. It's, it's pretty pretty damn rare. When you're talking about 12 home runs and 187 at-bats, that's not going to happen, and that's just not going to continue. So I love what he did this season. I, I don't want to be seen as bashing him or anything. Like I, I love what he did this season. He was, he was fantastic in these last couple of months. But he's going to probably be drafted and by some people next year who will say, oh, yeah, Joey Manessis. And then it's just not going to work out because it's – these things seldom do in this kind of situation, whether it be basketball, football, hockey, you know, last couple of weeks of the season, the guy turns it on. So next year we draft him very high. It's just not something that I think that we can really necessarily um, rely on. I think we need to keep him in mind. Maybe if we get deep enough in drafts where you'd say, okay, I, I'll take a chance on him here. I, I would take a chance on him at pick. God, I don't even know where exactly I would want to draft him. It would have to be, Mostly in deeper leagues, I think if you're talking about a draft and hold, uh, 50 teamers or 50 rounds, uh, he's going to be drafted in those formats, no question. But I would be careful about where you do it. I think I'd probably wait until the round pick 250, 300. I think that would make that would probably make the most sense to me. Uh, if you're going any higher than that, I think that you should just probably let him go in that case, especially you know 15 teamer. You might hear pick 200. It doesn't sound that deep, but that's like your 13th pick in a, in a 15-team league, 13th, 14th pick. So I don't know if it's going to be worth that kind of value necessarily. We'll talk about Joey Manessis throughout the offseason a little bit here and there just to try and you know see what's going on. We'll see how he does in the preseason leading up to next year. But I can almost guarantee you that the price for him is going to be higher than it should be. So just something to keep in mind. People will remember this performance, this streak. And they'll say, Joey Manessis, the guy can hit 300. He can, you know, he extrapolate his home runs. He's going to hit 40 home runs and bat 325. It's like, he's not. I know most of you are probably already well aware of this, but if you're maybe a little bit newer to the fantasy game or whatever and you just see this production and you think, well, he can carry it over in the next season. There's no reason why he can't. It's, it's a lot easier said than done, and we see it a lot with relief pitchers too. A lot of times relief pitchers will just have a really great season, and then you want to draft them next season as if it's still the previous year. Well, it's not something that typically happens, that kind of production carrying over year to year. And the same thing can be said about these older guys who get their cup of coffee, even if they produce really well. I just, I'd be very cautious about Joey. But let's keep it going here with our seventh-ranked player from last week, Manny Machado. The dude has kind of, you know, I don't know, almost flown under the radar a little bit recently in the National League uh, in terms of, you know, the MVP earlier in the season. He felt like kind of a lock for MVP. And then he fell off a bit. His production for the season, he's still the seventh-ranked player, but I just don't think we've given him that same kind of attention because of what the guys in St. Louis were doing. And I don't know, maybe it's that Soto got into town and there was a Tatis news and he got kind of overshadowed a little bit, but whatever it was, Manny Machado, like I said, the seventh-ranked player this season and the seventh-ranked player this last week, that's consistency. Six runs scored, two homers, eight RBIs, one steal, and a three sixty-four batting average went eight for 22. For the season, Machado, 96 runs, 31 homers, 100 RBIs, 8 steals, and a 299 batting average. It's fantastic. There's, there's not really too much you need to say about Manny Machado. He was drafted as a stud. He will be drafted as a stud again next season. He was going to pick 26th this season in NFBC drafts. You have to expect that would be even a little bit higher next year. He'll sneak into those top first two rounds. If you're talking the 12-teamer, probably in the pick. I don't know. I'd say probably around pick 20, we're going to see Manny Machado go next season, and I'd be totally fine with it. 
his, his fantasy game is sound. He's got next year, he'll have Tatis. Uh, I mean, it'll be a month or so without Tatis, but then once you get him in that lineup, Juan Soto will have had more time to figure out his surroundings there, and there's no need to worry about Juan Soto. Like, we, we, we know this. Uh, it's going to be dangerous. That lineup is going to be seriously dangerous. Like, I don't even know how they would arrange that. Machado, I guess it would be probably, I don't know, Tatis 1, Soto 2, Machado 3? Or did you try and maybe put somebody else first and then have those guys go 2, 3, 4? You could have those guys go 3, 4, 5. I mean, there's a lot of fun possibilities. I'm at, I kind of want to just crank up a game MLB The Show right now and just start messing around with lineups because – uh, there's a lot of possibilities there, and then who knows what they're going to do in terms of maybe they'll extend Soto, maybe they'll add other pieces. I, I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun this offseason. But the San Diego Padres, they're a team to watch for next season. They're certainly a team where uh, they have the pitching. They have they have enough pitching. They'll probably want to bring in another piece or two, and they have the hitting. So what's going to happen with them next year? I would say right now they're an early favorite for me for 2023 World Series. Josh Hader calms down, gets all the shit from this season behind him, and he'll be back to being Josh Hader. Tatis will be Tatis, Soto will be Soto, and guys like Machado will still be winning you your leagues next season. It's not something that I'm really too concerned about. There are some more volatile picks on this board that we're talking about. You know, Glaber Torres, he's a risky one a little bit. Steven Kwan, there's some risk there. You know, he's good, but there's risk. Manessis, there's a hell of a lot of risk. But with Manny Machado... We have like an eight, 10-year track record of success. We know that he's not being drafted too, too highly. Like, I don't think he'll be drafted in that range where he's producing this season. I don't think he'll be the seventh overall or seventh ADP guy next year. I think he'll probably be low teens or high teens, low 20s. And that would be something where, or somewhere, I should say, where I would be interested in drafting him for sure. Let's talk about Christian Javier, who I think, honestly... He's one of our underrated starters in baseball, and they got a couple of guys over there like this. I think Framber Valdez is in the same kind of boat, although he's gotten some more attention, Framber, because of his quality start streak, which ended, unfortunately, the other night, but 25 straight quality starts. Jesus Christ. But Christian Javier, man, his last 17 innings over the last two weeks, zero earned runs allowed. Those last three starts for him, no earned runs, 22 strikeouts, two victories. Unbelievable. Just this last week, it was 11 innings pitched, two starts, one victory, 14 strikeouts, obviously a 0.00 ERA and a 0.55 whip. Christian Javier seems to always be the guy who is the odd man out whenever they need to put somebody in the bullpen. And, you know, there's somebody coming back, McCullers or whoever the hell it is. He's always seems to be the odd man out for whatever reason. And I can't for the life of me figure it out. He's really, really a lot better than the way he is treated over there. Even last season, he had a 3.55 ERA, a 1.18 whip. 130 strikeouts in 100 innings, and this season, his ADP was 313. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting something from the preseason that would have knocked that ADP down a bit, but like it's, it's free, free value right there. The guy's been the 40th-ranked player for the season, 10 victories, 142 innings pitched, 187 strikeouts. He's striking out 45 more. Well, he's 45 more strikeouts than he does innings pitched. That is elite stuff. A 265 ERA and a .96 whip. The dude is exceptional. The dude is really, really exceptional. And I hope that people continue to, to disrespect him next season. I hope that we can still get him. Obviously, not going to be a pick 300. But if, you know, pick 100 or something like that, if he's going around pick 100, that's, that's cash money. That's cash money on the table for you right there. Pitching for Houston, even if he sucked pitching for Houston, you know, I mean, Jose Urquidy, I don't think he sucks. But he, he's not great. He gets a lot of his value there, I think, from pitching for Houston. If you pitch for, you know... If Jose Urquidy was a member of the Athletics, 
or if he was a member of the Marlins, maybe, or, you know, pick some other team that doesn't do very well, the Athletics, the Nationals, the Tigers, any of those teams, we wouldn't give a shit about him. And it's a lot of it comes from the Astros. You have that Astros factor with obviously all of those dudes, but then you get Javier, who's pitching to a two six five ERA, who's got nearly two hundred strikeouts, a sub one WHIP, double digit victories. I, he's he's remarkable. He is, he is a remarkable pitcher. I I really think that he is. I think you can make a good case that he's the most underrated pitcher in all of baseball. And if people continue to draft him as such, you know, if he's going past pick one hundred, I will have him in every single league. I will pick him in every single league. The Astros eventually will have to stop jerking him around and just leave him in the starting rotation consistently instead of, you know, oh, Christian, you know, we got someone coming back, blah, blah, blah. If someone's going to leave the rotation, it should be Urquidy. It should not be Christian Javier. That makes no sense. I don't think that they'll continue to do that in perpetuity because it's just, I just, I don't think they can realistically. I mean, someone's going to have to say eventually, guys, Christian probably shouldn't be in the bullpen. He's, you know, he's, he's an elite pitcher. Uh, and I think that we're kind of coming around to that. Hopefully the community stays behind because I'll be happy, happy, happy to invest in him again next season, especially if it's pick 100, 150, 200, who knows? I doubt it'll be 200. It won't be 200, but this season, it should not have been where it was, which was 313. Let me just check because I'm going in on main events. Let me check all drafts. Let's see where he was going. If you factor in everything, uh, 321. Yeah, no difference. I I don't understand it. Makes no sense to me. Let's talk about the next guy on our list though, who has been my darling for all the entire season, Francisco Lindor. I love the dude. I drafted him fully expecting a first round, second round value uh, worthy season there. And that's what he did. So over this last week, he was 11 for 25, 440 batting average, excellent. Seven runs, one homer, nine RBIs, all very good. Now, he didn't steal any bases this week, but you'll take it. He's still a top 10 player for the season. He is currently the number 10 ranked player. That's for where you drafted Lindor this season. You are you are over the moon with that. Francisco Lindor was probably, I, I didn't have too much time to lead into the season on this show. I believe our first episode was March 23rd. I got, I got hired in February. Originally, I was doing basketball work, a, a little bit anyway, and then switched to baseball. And I didn't really have time to properly hype up dudes that I was big on going into the season. But those early shows, Francisco Lindor was one dude who I was really big on. And it was specifically because he was the 51st, or his ADP was 51, first of all. That's, that's crazy. Last season, he was a first-round player. He had a poor season his first year adjusting to the New York media, which, you know, will happen. And his poor season, by the way, was 20 homers, 10 steals, uh, a 230 average, which is not great, but 73 runs, 63 RBIs. He was still fine. He wasn't great. He didn't return first-round value, but he's not so like he were, somebody you were dropping or anything. He was still fine. This season, as the 10th-ranked player, now granted, a lot more at-bats. He's just about at 600 at-bats. He's usually batting in the three-hole, sometimes the two-hole there. He's close to 600. 95 runs, 25 homers, 103 RBIs, 16 steals, and a 275 batting average. It's, it's, it's elite stuff. It's elite production in an elite lineup uh, for an elite team. So Francisco Lindor, next season, he's going to jump back up. He's not going to be going in, at pick 50 again, 51 technically. Probably we're going to see him... I don't think he'll be a first-rounder again because there's just a lot of guys who you could argue are first-rounders. There's like 20 guys who you could make a decent case for probably, and we'll go through this throughout the offseason. This is what a lot of the offseason content will be focused on. We'll be looking ahead to next season. We'll be talking about drafts, sleepers, busts, and, and the rest of it. Lindor, 
I think we'll, we'll, we'll massage this a little bit, but I think we're probably looking at late second round, mid to late second round in a 12. And usually when I'm, when I'm saying those kind of things, the standard is 12 teamers. If I'm saying third round, fourth round, fifth round, whatever, typically I'm talking about 12 teamers unless I specify otherwise. And for, for me with Lindor, I'm thinking that probably means around, around pick 20. I think 20 feels, feels generally right there. Maybe we'll see him a little bit lower in some, a little bit higher. But I think his ADP is going to fall somewhere in that range. And I think I'd be fine with it. I really do. Even if he was your first batter on your team, maybe your second, whatever it is, he'll provide that production. Last season, he needed the time to adjust. New York sucks. We know that. No, it doesn't suck. But the media sucks. The New York media is awful. Like, you know, we even saw Judge earlier in the year getting booed by the Yankees fans because whatever, he went over 3-1 game or something. Like, it can be, it's a, it's a toxic environment. It really can be. Obviously, it's not as bad with the Mets. But it's a very tough market. He got used to it. Kudos to him. He produced well above his ADP this season, finishing as the 10th-ranked player. And next season, I don't think he'll be drafted quite that high. But you can kind of expect that same level of production here over the next few seasons. Specifically, while you got Pete Alonso in his prime, you still got Marte producing. A lot of great role players producing over there, Nimmo and Canna. And, I mean, who knows where they'll they'll be playing next season. But as long as the Mets continue to spend money, which – I'm not too worried about that with Steve Cohen. There should always be good pieces around Lindor while he's locked in for the rest of his career, essentially, here with the Mets. And I'd have no problem drafting him somewhere around round two. But let's keep it going with our next player. Only one more guy here. We're going to just finish off rounding out the top ten today. We'll go back and look at these more later on. But I do want to do a couple other things today. Randy Rosarena. Man, he just went completely nuts this last month. He's the fifth-ranked player over the last month, 10th over the last week. So we'll start with the last week. 10 for 24, three runs, a homer, nine RBIs, and two steals. 417 batting average. When you look at the last month, and it seems like he's been stealing a base every single game. You know, it, it really, really has felt like that. Almost the same with the judge homers. It's not obviously to the same degree. But you open up your phone most nights the last month, and it's been a judge homer, and it's been an Arena steal. That last month, 15 runs, three homers, 22 RBIs, nine steals, and a 340 batting average. For the season, 20 homers, 88 RBIs, 32 stolen bases, and a 273 batting average. Kind of interesting that his RBIs and his runs, I didn't notice this before, they kind of inverted from last season. So he had 69 runs this season and 69 RBIs last season. I'm, I'm, I, that's a confusing way to go about it. Let me let me say it this way. So this year, 69 runs. Last year, 94 runs. This year, 88 RBIs. Last year, 69 RBIs. They kind of just inverted, which is kind of weird. And the other stats stayed roughly the same with the steals getting a decent bump here because this last month he's been crazy. But same amount of home runs, 20. The steals, last year we had 20. This year, 32. 32 steals for Randy Rosarena. You would not have expected that coming into the season. But you'll absolutely take it nonetheless. Randy Rosarena... Kind of a hard guy to nail down, really. Like that lineup is not so great around him there in Tampa, but they still do produce. He produces specifically. I mean, Wander Franco has been missing in action a lot of the season. He hasn't been there. He has when he's been there, he hasn't even been that great. But Randy Rosarena last season was going around pick sixty-four. Uh, I just lost where I had the ranking. It just popped away. Randy Rosarena this season is number twenty-six. He's the twenty-sixth ranked player for the year, fifth over the last month. Now, when you talk about next season, which is what I'm trying to do here with everybody, just get a general feel. It's too early to really say, this guy, he should be drafted here. Bullet point, done. It's kind of just, we're feeling it out. We're feeling it out a little bit. And with Randy, 64 last season. So we're talking fifth round of 15 teamers. 
I think we'll probably see him go in the top 50. I think that that would make sense to me if he's going somewhere in the 40 range, the home runs and the steals. Really, he's providing cat, uh, production across all five categories. Those runs and RBIs are so – they fluctuate so much. They're so volatile. Guy could drive in 121 year, and then the next year it's like 85, which is still good, but you're missing out on 40 RBIs. So it's, it's something you really need to consider. Home runs generally stay about the same. Batting average stays generally close to the same. Steals will fluctuate a little bit here and there, but runs and RBIs, it's just not so much dependent on on what the actual player is doing. It's about what the team is doing. And we've seen it with this year with Randy. I mean, both last two years, Tampa Bay has put together good teams. And this year, he's, for some reason, excelled a lot more in RBIs than he has uh, with scoring runs. He's still batting top third of the order still. It shouldn't make that much of a difference where he's batting. It's kind of strange, but that just goes to show you the unpredictability of, of our game here. But Randy should be safe in fantasy value, even though he plays for in a bad stadium, not the greatest lineup. Tampa always has a good team going on, whether it's the guys you expect to produce or whether it's guys this year like Paredes who just kind of go off. You know, Randy Diaz had a great year, Manuel Margot. They get production, and guys like Arena will be the centerpiece of that kind of thing with Wander Franco, assuming that he's all healthy and everything. But Arozarena should be a, a totally fine draft pick there. Somewhere, I would say, in, in roughly the 40-ish kind of ballpark. 40 to 50-ish range. I think, I think we're cooking with gas there. I'm going to leave it there for today. We are going to continue to do this thing more often where we look back. It won't so much be week to week. We'll look back at the whole season. We'll look back at the second half heroes, guys who were great in the first half, kind of fell off a little bit. That's where the content will generally be these next couple of weeks. We'll mix in some playoff stuff. We'll bring on some betting people to talk about lines for the playoffs, and maybe you want to bet some futures for the World Series kind of thing next season, whatever. We'll, we'll have some of the sports ethos betting people and just betting people in general on to help us get through the playoffs. And then after that, we'll start to do some more projections. We'll do some more look backs, look forwards, sleepers, busts, all that sort of thing. If there's anything in particular you guys want to see on the show, I'm happy to take suggestions. If you guys have an idea for, I don't know, a specific concept, players you want to have dove into, uh, send me a message at JoeOrico99 or even at EthosFantasyBB. Either would work fine. Actually, I'd kind of prefer you'd go at EthosFantasyBB for your follows if you guys haven't done so already. Messages, sure, DM, whoever, it doesn't really matter. But in spe- specifically, if you guys should go follow Ethos Fantasy BB. We're still trying to build that one up. It's, it hasn't grown as much as my own account this season, which I've kind of been disappointed with. I wanted it to get up there a little bit. We've got some new followers recently, but we're trying to get that one, uh, keep going up there. So E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. You'd be my best friend if you guys go and hit the follow button over there because we're going to have tons of stuff coming to you throughout the offseason. We will have projections. We will have rankings. We will have articles. We will have all of that stuff. And just a reminder, like I said off the top, we are bringing people on here. So if it's something that is interesting to you, writing about baseball, talking about baseball, whatever the case may be, reach out to me, send me a message. Send Dan Bespress a message. Maybe you already know Dan from basketball. You've already been going back and forth with him. You're more comfortable with him. Cool. Send Dan a message. Say you're interested. We've got a lot of positions here with basketball, football, baseball, even hockey now. We are going to be starting. Uh, maybe it's, I'm actually not sure when it starts, but we have uh, a fantasy NHL Today podcast in the works. It will be coming out in the next couple of months. I'm not sure specifically on the date, but I'm pretty sure by the time the season kicks off, we'll be going, I think. And actually, we're pretty damn close to hockey now, so it should be getting going pretty soon. So please do go check out all that stuff. Sportsethos.com is the place where you can find literally all of the content. Twitter, of course, is great as well, at Sportsethos. 
but you get all of our stuff on the website. So please do go check it out. Hover over the premium tab. Give us a quick check over there if it's something that you would be interested in maybe supporting the company. This is the time of year when we sell our stuff. We keep the lights on all season long. There will not be promotions going on in a lot of shows. I usually won't even mention this kind of thing, except for this time of year, because we need to sell some premium packages. Helps us keep the website going for the other 11 months. I mean, I guess... 10 months, really, these last couple months, we've been kind of kicking the fantasy passes into high gear, but there's a lot more than even just fantasy. There's, I mean, it's a lot of fantasy stuff, but there's wagering, there's the draft guide, there's Aaron Brewski's 150, which will be coming out in the next couple weeks. I should get a specific date on that, and I'll have a specific date for you guys tomorrow, but please do go check it out on the website. All that is available there. Brewski is the best in the business for predicting basketball, fantasy basketball. You just have to go back and look at previous years of what he's done. Last year, Tyrese Halliburton, if you guys are uh, fantasy NBA guys, he, he called Tyrese Halliburton having a breakout pretty early last season. You want to be on those breakouts this season for your fantasy needs. Sports Ethos is the best in the business for fantasy basketball, so please do go check it out. But that's enough of the promo and the rambling for me today, guys. I really do appreciate you guys checking us out. Continue to download, subscribe, rate, review, follow, do all that great stuff, and we will see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody.